Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on today's cast are my lovely co-hosts, Dan. Hello. And Tiff. Hey. Okay, everyone, so we're back for another episode, and we are going to get into some fun stuff today. We have a new segment called Top of the Stack, which we'll chat about a little bit later. And then today is all things Cathala. We are going to dub it Cathalathon as we talk about Bruno Cathala, his games, what we like, what we don't like, and just him as a designer. But before we get into any of that, we're going to start the way we always do with a little bit about what we've been playing. So, who wants to kick it off? I can do it. All right. So, (laughs) so this week at game night, one of my friends brought Formula D to the table, and I haven't played that before. I've seen it on tabletop, and a lot of people talk about it as fun. So we gave it a try, and I thought it was boring. (laughs) I'm so sad. Well, here's the thing. I, and I try not to have this reaction, but when someone is like, yeah, it's roll and move, I'm like, "Ah, damn it. And I knew that going into it, but I was still kind of, you know. It's such an interesting roll and move, though, isn't it? It's more interesting than other roll and moves. <laughs> can, can we frame this? How many did you play with? One, two, three. It was a total of five. Mm, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll, I'll so my opinion done. might be valid. <laughs> so, Dan, what do you think is the optimal player count? Full. All ten? See, well, I mean, if you're playing with five... Each run two cars? Each run two cars. Because the, the rubbin... Rubbin is racing, Tiff. Rubbin is racing. <laughs> Tom Cruise taught me anything. And you just... Yeah, it just adds a little bit. And you've got, like, a team you're responsible for. And you can use them as you see fit. And it, it just adds a, an extra little layer for me. So... And even if one of your cars is behind, your other car could be doing really well. You know, things like that. So, I don't know. I think... If you're going to play with five, you might as well just run two cars. But it does add to the the length of the game. Well, and I felt like it went on longer than I wanted it to, just the way we were playing it, which was, I mean, more or less bare bones. We didn't do, like, weather rules, I guess, are in there, and there are some other things. But I don't know. It just, I fell behind really early on because I apparently really suck at racing, and I'm, I'm overly cautious. So I fell behind early on, and I stayed there, and there were, like, maybe one time where I almost caught up, and then after that passed me by, I was sort of disengaged. So... I was checking out the street racing side of the board, and that looks a lot more entertaining to me. So I, I think next week we're yeah, going to try through, that. Yeah, when you drive through the slums and they throw rocks at your car, yeah. and you can get damaged that way. Yeah, I like the sound of that. But the like playing with two cars, for instance, like I, I keep saying that, but I really enjoy that because, like you said, you're conservative with one, but with two, you're a little bit more to the wind with it. You're just like, you're, oh, if that one blows up, I still have my other one. So you can just kind of go into some corners hot. If one car is, you know, hotly contesting a corner or another car or something like if that. If you just got to throw it in sixth and burn through those those one turns. Is that what, that's what you do? Okay. I'll keep that in mind for next week. I know we're going to play it again, and I, I didn't hate it. I just was, I was just kind of bored. It was just a little boring. You got to talk some, you got to talk some smack too. Not when you're like in last by 12 miles. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted a picture like every single time everybody's way far ahead and I'm just hey I'm back here what's up guys there's no trash talking when you're that far behind you gotta kick it high and risk it yeah it is a game about kind of it's got to push your luck element because sometimes you have to to go a little faster than you want to be going and once you I would say it probably takes a game or two to really get comfortable with keeping it in gear because when you start driving you're like I don't want my car to get damaged but then 
five games from now, Tiff, you're going to be like, screw it. Who needs four wheels? I'll finish it with three. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know me that well. I'm not really a risk taker. Yeah. This yeah. is your chance to try it out. <laughs> if I was going to play Sounds single terrible. car, I'd have to do multiple laps, though, because I think that can... I was so bored after one lap. Like, doing one more lap sounded painful. We discussed it, and I was like, no, please no. <laughs> well, because then you have, like, the pit option and a couple of other things open up. Yeah, I know. But then you can open your car up, too, a little bit. All right. Duly noted. So a, a lukewarm reception on Formula D. Dan, what have you been up to? Um, I've been playing games. That's good. You're in the right place. So, So I finally had a chance to play... Trajan, which oh. is the highly acclaimed Stefan Feld. We had a little Feld Fest where we squeezed in Aquasphere. Aquasphere. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> Aquasphere, Bora Bora, and Trajan. All three of those being new to me. So it was really cool to see that. Um, and those are three of his more, I guess, revered games, I would say, um, at least in recent times. Trajan being one that I've always really wanted to try, and I wasn't disappointed. I really liked it. It's 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 a typical Feld. It's got you know points galore. Everything you do scores you points. Um, it's got a lot of little mini mechanisms that kind of interact in certain ways. Uh, but for me, what really did it was the really cool Mancala uh, mechanic with the. It's got various color. Um, what are they, cubes, hexes? I don't even know what shape they're in anymore. The, uh, they're like pillars. I'll just yeah. call them pillars. Multiple colored pillars. Circular octagons. That, you know, when you pick up, so if you pick up three of them, you can move three spaces, and then you take that action there. And then they also, like, the colors play into some bonus tiles that you have. So if the colors match, you get the score of the bonus tile. I'm not going to get too far into it, but I really enjoyed that mechanic. I thought it was a lot of fun to just sit there and diddle-daddle with my my Mancala, and a lot of the, the mini mechanisms on the board I thought were really clever. Love the military, for instance, and how you're moving your general, but then you don't score points until you get your army up where the general is. Overall, I was just really pleased. I really liked the game. I thought it was smooth. I didn't think, it's a, it's a little bit of a bear to teach like any Feld the first game, I think, getting all the different um, mechanics ironed out in everyone's head, but once you got going, it was it was Fairly smooth, I'd say. I don't know. What do you guys think? You got to play this one, Tiff? Well, we actually played it online. It's on one of those websites that I can't pronounce, I what think. What is it? That one. There we go. So Dan taught me the game on there, which I didn't think it was that hard to understand. So you must have done a really good job teaching, Dan. Good job. I thought it was good. It's not my favorite Feld. I think I like Aquasphere better, maybe a little bit. The Mancala thing, I... I don't know. I never felt like I got the hang of it, so I probably have to play it a few more times. I like the building part, you know, where you're kind of going through and planning what route you're going to take to maximize your points for that. And I just always wanted to, you know, trigger my Trajan tiles and never could do it a lot of the time. So I had more frustration with this one than I did when I played Aquasphere. But then again, I played Aquasphere two players, so I don't know that that's a fair comparison. Yeah. I recently got to play Aquasphere two-player, and it is very different than four-player. Every game I played That's is four-player, and two-player was so wide open, and the way things, the way it played out was was very different, and. That's not a great descriptor, but in my head, I'm just thinking of the comparisons between the two and looking at Trajan. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. Um, I think the defining 
differences are those uh, Mancala, the core Mancala versus the programming your robots kind of thing. So there's all these different action spaces. There's, you know, negative point kind of things floating around. There's things you have to deal with. Very similar um, choices being made in both games, just in different ways. So I think it's easy to like them both. I think there's a place for them both. Yeah. No, I liked I like them both, but I think at this point, just having one play of each under my belt, both two players, I liked Aquasphere a little bit better. I'd still put Bora Bora over both of them. Well, we got to play Bora Bora two-player, and that game just feels... And maybe it was just because we were learning and trying to, like, piece through the rulebook. It just felt clunkier than the other two. That's a hard one to learn, but I like the dice. Yeah, it is cool. It's it's. I'm terribly impressed with how those three games, you know, because we played them back-to-back-to-back, like... They really have very different avenues to do this whole, like, navigating 10,000 different choices at the same time thing, but doing them in very different ways. So it feels like, oh, yes, this feels like a Feld, but you do it in such a different way. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I don't know. I like Aquasphere the least of them. I played it four, so I'm actually interested to see what it plays with with less players because every game I've played has been four-player. And it's just too, I think, restrictive for me. And that's not to say it's a bad thing. I think it's a well-designed game. I just, I don't know, something about it. I th- the, th- the difference with Bora Bora and Trajan, I really liked how, and this is just a small thing, but I really liked how you started off with, in Trajan you start off with a bonus tile, and Bora Bora you start out with three task tiles. It gave you a slight amount of direction, and you didn't have to follow that, but it just gave you that little bit of that mental focus that said, okay, I got this bonus tile that's going to score me for shipping goods so maybe I should start out with a shipping goods strategy in a way so it, it honed me in a little bit more aquasphere I was left to just make my own destiny up in a way um, which again not a bad thing but it was so restrictive that it just frustrated me when I couldn't do what I wanted to do in, in a manner that I wanted to do it so I don't know I, I agree with that I think that the it, it helps you learn the game in Bora Bora and Trajan is, is it gives you direction. Like, I got that tile and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this because this is what's in front of me. By my sixth game of Aquasphere, though, I was glad that I wasn't given anything because I like having the choices. Once you know how to play the game, like, I wanted to determine my own strategy, and then you can look at those cards and those tiles and say, okay, I'm making the decision to piece these together and try to do this as opposed to the game handing you something that may not always be a beneficial strategy. Like, the... The little bit of randomness that's in there, like if I got this tile and I don't want to do that strategy, now I feel like I'm kind of a little bit committed to it because I have it from the start of the game. I don't know. I think it's just overcoming a different obstacle. Yeah, You have to find a way to do that, and in Aquasphere, you have to find out what you want to do and then do that kind of thing. It's just, I think, it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think they're all good. I'm impressed. Agreed. It's, it's It's a good recovery for Feld from... Some of the more recent ones I didn't care for, like Bruges, Rialto, um, even Castles of Burgundy. I think it's a good game, but it just doesn't excite me. Uh, you know how I feel about Castles of Burgundy. I'm not the hugest fan of that, even though the whole world seems to like it. And Rialto is by far my least favorite felt, but Bruges? Awesome. I love that game. <laughs> <laughs> rather play Deus. Oh my god. Um, so... How about you? 
Matt. <laughs> what have you been playing? Um, so I've been getting a lot of very different things. Um, I did get in some games of Star Wars Armada. I know you guys haven't played it, and I don't know if you guys have an interest in it, so I'm not going to talk about it at length, but it is cool. It's a minis game. You roll dice. You fly ships around. It's very cool if you're into that kind of thing. I, I recommend it. But one game that I have gotten in a couple plays of that you guys might be more interested in is Expedition Northwest Passage. Um, and this is like a light to medium weight game. It's got, I feel like it's like advanced Carcassonne or something. Like it's tile laying with a little bit of interesting, um, I guess it's worker placement. Action point. Action point assignment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got a a nice Euro feel basically. And it's got a little bit of a race in there too. It's got a lot of these different feels mixed together. And I think it's a really cool game. It's um, from Matigo. It's very well done. I think it's a, a really good looking game. It fits the theme very well. Um, even though it's got the most like gross color palette ever, like black, gray, brown, and white. But it's I guess it, yeah, it fits trudging through the snow and, you know. Anywho, uh, I think it's cool. It's, like I said, tile laying. So you're, you're drawing and placing these tiles. You have a sled and a ship and you're trying to navigate these changing um, landscapes where the water is freezing so you can't travel on your boat versus the water then melts and you can travel with your boat. You're trying to get to the Northwest Passage and back. And if you leave anybody behind, they die and that's bad and negative points. So you're trying to risk management, you know, how far do I want to go um, before I turn back because you have to come back by the end of the game. And then there's also some set collection where you're trying to pick up these different things. Um, I really liked it. I've gotten in a couple plays of it. Um, it's They've been very different plays with different number of players. Um, I know, Dan, you got to play it. What would you think? Uh, I played it once, and I thought it was all right. It had It's very unique. Um, I'm going to say that. It's got some really neat, that whole um, the ice melted versus frozen mechanic, how that travels around the board. I thought that was really cool. Um, I didn't grasp the overall strategy right away i thought it was a bit i was like well so i'm just racing but then i can't find tiles to fit what i need to do so should i just set collect and to be honest i never even got off my boat that never even became an 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 interest for me Uh, just how the game unfolded and the tiles i got to lay so i don't know i uh, overall i wasn't like jumping to play it again but i would like to play it again just to see how i feel and i I read up a little bit after we played it just on i watched some reviews and stuff and it's it's actually got some definitely some polarizing views a lot of people really either love it or they hate it it's one of those things i don't there's no there was no real middle ground with this one Um, but i think everyone agreed that it's a very unique design and it's very thematically well done the theme really comes through and what you're trying to do. So I don't know. I, I want to play it again, but I can't, I don't know. I don't know if I can give it a full recommendation, but again, only one play. So maybe in the next time we talk, I'll have played it again. Tiff, have you played this yet? I haven't. Um, I bought it. I feel like the whole world bought it on the Tanga sale oh, yeah. when like a, a month or two so ago because i bought it one of the guys in my group bought it you guys all bought it and i think it was all around the same time yep. and i've heard a lot of people that i trust give this a good recommendation so i think i am gonna like it but i have not gotten the chance to play it yet yeah that sale was a great value like this is a very well put together game and i was glad to get it for under 30 dollars. it's it's kind of a steal 
um, just to look at when it's on the board. Dan, I th- I'm hoping that on a second play that you'll enjoy it after knowing what's going on because it really does, it doesn't does give you a direction, and I had already played it, so I shot straight yeah, to the end and came yeah. back. I definitely saw where you had um, a strategy in mind, and Kelly and I kind of just wandered around the board yeah. placing tiles. So, And that's part of the experience level. Like I think on a future play... And, and even more plays, it'll get really contentious because we're, we're going to have an idea of like what each other are trying to do. And then there's ways to kind of interfere. But yeah, you guys took a very different strategy and I just kind of smoked you. I went down to the Northwest Passage and back and kind of, um, I mean, the scores were still tight, but I, I had a very direct plan because I had played it before and I had done exactly what you did and sat in a nice field for most of the game. Well, I, I, never, I never, I actually always stayed in liquid water. Yes, um, but you did get blocked in. But then I got stuck not being able to do much just because of the way the movement works, yeah. and I didn't want to risk getting my dudes off. So I never actually used the sled mechanic once in the game. So I don't know. I, I think I, you know, I think Kelly and I did decent for having not played it. But you could definitely yeah. see as soon as you started doing what you're doing, I was like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing yeah. to a certain extent. And Kelly and I were just kind of wandering around. Like, oh, look, a canoe. Let's pick that up. Oh, look, <laughs> a pile of rocks. I'll take that, too. But this nice Eskimo man. You can come does, with me. Yeah. I mean, the, and this, it's got a nice balance between the race, which is if you're the first to get to the Northwest Passage, you get X points. Um, I almost don't even feel like more than one person should attempt that. I think if one person's attempting that, it seems like the other people should just go around set collecting because yeah. Kelly and I scored a buttload of points. Yeah set collecting but we never even i never made it into like region three of the board and you don't have to as long as you make it back with no dead people you're doing okay yeah it was tough it was frustrating with the tiles i know you can clear them but a lot of times i couldn't find the one that fit exactly um or i couldn't find one with something i needed to collect so yeah i'd definitely play it again yeah all right, well, we've got a little bit more time we can chat about, maybe one or two more games. Tiff, anything else you've been getting to the table? Um, the other thing we played on Thursday night was the Game of 49. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about this. So the Game of 49, if you look at it, is like, I don't know, one of the worst-looking games I've seen in a while. It's more or less, <laughs> li- I'm, well, okay. And I'll preface it with saying that it's a totally fun game. It just... It looks like a prototype. It has really cheap-looking paper money. The tiddlywinks are not the lowest-quality tiddlywinks, but they are tiddlywinks, and you need those for the gameplay to work out. But uh, it's just kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's numbers on a board and cards with numbers and tiddlywinks and paper money. So if you look at it and you're judging the book by its cover, you're not going to play it, and you might miss out on something you would enjoy otherwise but uh it's basically an auction game uh there's a board that has the numbers 1 through 49 on it you're trying to put down your chips on that board to get three or depending on how many players four in a row each turn a number card comes out and you bid on it with your paper money so it kind of has a feel it reminded me a lot of no thanks because you you don't know what everybody has in their hand as far as money so if something looks really enticing for someone it might be worth it for you to up the ante and keep the bid going around the the table to like drain them of their excess cash. I don't know. It, it yeah, it it felt a lot like that. It's a lot like no thanks, but with that spatial element of trying to plan where you can get three or four in a row. I think it's I think it's a good game, little filler type game. That's what I was gonna ask. I was wondering if you would like categorize it as a filler or like a, a like a light board game. I didn't know where it fit. 
I mean, it might take a little bit longer than I would want a filler to take, but it, we had fun the whole time we were playing. And, yeah. Yeah. It is terribly, terribly gross to look at. It looks like bingo. Yeah. If you can get over the look of it, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Cool. No thanks is okay. I love no thanks. I think I'd rather play no thanks than this, ah, but this see, is still good. the truth good. comes out. The <laughs> truth comes out. Cool. Yeah. It's ugly. <laughs> really, Dan? It's just ugly. Oh, my gosh. All right, Dan. Well, do you have anything more aesthetically pleasing that you've been playing? I do. Trees. I love trees. Um, and we played... What? Our... Is that the newest Dice Hate Me release, the sequel to I Love Trains? No. Well, I guess it would be deck building, the deck building game, but in a different oh, tree form. Oh, after the trees are cut down. After they're all cut down and rotted and... Yeah. Anyways. Um, Arboretum. Ooh. Arboretum. Ow. Arboreolentum. I don't know. <laughs> or French, it's probably abo. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so this is the new release from Z-Man Games. This is the next one in their, what do they call them, the deluxe card line or something along those lines. Um, and it's really pretty. It's got a lot of trees. Uh, so many trees. Ten trees. Trees I never heard of. Ten trees in the game. So what you're doing, it's a it's a card game with a spatial element. Out, everyone's got a tableau they're building, um, their garden, or their aboriginal. Arboretum. Arboretum. Okay, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. Sometimes English is my first language. So what you're doing is you're laying a card, you're drawing two cards, you're laying a card down into your Arboretum, and then you're discarding a card. Discards for each player are open information, um, as well as the discard, so you can draw from any of those. Um, And what you're trying to do is it's a a unique twist. Um, You're trying to create... Um, what is it? Sequential trees. Yeah, it's like route building. Route building in sequence. Yeah. yeah. So you're trying to create paths of trees that have to start and end with the same type of tree in order to count for that. Um, and then, so if I had a, a juniper tree, the one, and then I had two, three, four, five, and then it ends in a juniper tree six, that counts as my juniper tree path. So that's junipers are bushes. Well. proceed this is now a game about bushes because i couldn't (laughs) think of one of the 10 trees in the game (laughs) oak so that's six so you're like cool i've got six points but the only way you're going to score that at the end of the game is if you actually have the highest uh, numerical value of (laughs) junipers in your hand so at the end of the game you go through each of the 10 different trees or bushes in this case and everyone reveals what they have left in their hand Whoever has the highest number, um, so you add up the cards. So if I have the two and the three, I've got five in Juniper. As long as I have the highest, I get to score that. So I get the right to score that path. Everyone else does not score that. So you have to balance building your path, but also having the cards in your hand at the end of the game to uh, be able to score that path. So it's a really unique kind of twist. It really gets your head working in some really bizarre ways. Um, I really liked it. I know, Tiff, you bought it, and Matt, you played it with me, so I'll let you guys chime in, but I, I highly recommend it. I thought it was a great little brain burner card game. Have you gotten to play it yet, Tiff? Nope. <laughs> yeah, you guys should just assume that unless I've announced that I've played a game that I haven't. Oh, okay. Well, I but you did buy it? I did buy I it. I think I... you made a good purchase. 
Oh, good. I, I like this Z-Man, um, like, fancy card games line. It is my favorite line of games, I think. There, there aren't too many lines of games floating out there, but I think this is... I, I've liked every one in the bunch so far. Yeah. yeah, this is a this is a cool little game. And that twist, when you were teaching us, was like, cool, I can do this, sequential paths. Okay, and then you were like, but it's the highest in your hand that gets to score. And I was like, oh, this is awful now because I spent the whole game just hoarding cards so that I could, like, score over you guys. And then I looked down and was like, I don't have any points in front of me because I've been playing, like, defensive, like, trying to stop you guys from scoring the whole time. And that was just, I don't know. It was wild, and I ended up losing pretty pretty badly. But I, I had a great time. I thought it was fun. The art, who who could have thought that trees, trees look so good? Trees look great. Trees look great. I hope they make a Bushes game yeah. next. I'm, I'm tempted to pick it up because I have most of these games. Um, and even though Dan has it in the collection, it's one that I could play with just Kel or, like, Kel and Ben when we have our other game nights. Definitely worth a look if you like card games. Yeah, the the whole open discard and the way you can draw in t- draw that from those it really keeps you on your toes too because if you notice that Matt's trying to make an oak path, I may not want to discard my seven oak even though it doesn't help his path. That seven oak in his hands gives him seven points towards scoring the oak at the end of the game. So you really gotta pay attention to what's going on, which um, it's visually chaotic. So that kind of plays into the the just the burn as well. Um, really like it. Can't recommend it high enough all right cool well i think that's a a good place to stop for what we've been playing now let's chat about games that we want to be playing so this is going to be our top of the stack segment which we are going to try to do at the beginning of the month or our first episode of each month and we are going to chat about some of the games that we're hoping to get some plays in you know obviously so we can report back to you and also because we're interested in trying them and the reason we're calling it top of the stack is because i literally have stacks of board games and <laughs> you know the they filter upwards the ones that I want to play. So let's go ahead and start with Dan. Just some of the things that you're interested in playing. All right. So I've got many, many on my stack. Um, probably similar to Tiff. Our acquisition disorder kind of makes our stacks big. We have stacks and stacks and stacks. Um, but for me, I think first and foremost, one I've read up on and I'm prepared to play and would really like to is Brewcrafters, um, the new game from Ben Rossett and Dice Haven Games about building a brewery, a microbrewery, and brewing beer. It's all tied together there, brewcrafting, brewbeering, brewbeering. <laughs> ah, good old brewbeering. <laughs> brewbeering. Um, so that, I have that on top there. I'd also like to play uh, Kanban which is another one I recently picked up. So this is from Stronghold Games and Vital Lacerda, the guy who brought us uh, Vinos, uh, CO2, and soon to be the Gallerist. Um, heavier game set in a factory, kind of an efficiency engine of building cars and scoring things. So I uh, really look forward to that. And finally, one that I acquired in a math trade that I've been dying to get to the table, but just haven't had a chance to, and that's Keyflower. Um, I've heard really good things about this. Tiff speaks highly of it. I really, really want to play this one. So those are the top three that I would like to play. Very cool. Uh, For me, top of the stack, number one would be Argent the Consortium. I actually got a play of this in last night, and I've gotten a couple plays in overall, but I'm loving it. And everything in this game has a B-side and, you know, other ways to play. So there's like a thousand different combinations you can make with this game, and I want to explore a bunch more of them. So that is definitely one that I'm excited to play. Uh, another one that I'm interested in is Royals because we've gotten in a few plays of this and everyone that's played it so far is loving it. Tiff is staring at me. 
longingly. Your top of the stack is so weird because it's all stuff that you've played. We've played a lot of his games lately. I like to keep playing the things that I play. I know, that's weird. <laughs> it's real weird. So yeah, Royals. Uh, we've gotten in a couple of plays. Everyone's liked it so far. It's pretty light. It's got like a ticket to ride kind of weight with a little bit of that card um, drafting. and But it's area control, and I love area control. So this is like all area control. I want to keep playing it and playing it because it's so much fun. Um, and I think the last one I put on there is probably Arboretum. We've only gotten one play of it. I did terribly. I'd like to redeem myself, play that a little bit more. So, yes, my top of the stack is three games I've already played, uh, but that's because I like them very, very much. Tiff, how about you? My top of the stack is all stuff that I haven't played because I have a lot of that going on over here. Um, top of the stack, absolute top right now, is Luchador Mexican Wrestling Dice. Oh, <laughs> do you have it? Yeah, I picked up a copy of the second edition. I, I just built the ring right before I came up here to podcast. I'm so, so. jealous. Yeah, so... I'm ready to roll some dice and smash some heads. And you love wrestling, don't you? I love wrestling. My spring break kicked off with WrestleMania. It's I the best spring break I think ever. I saw some live tweeting during mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Flip Flory from the Flip the Table podcast kind of put it together, and I had no idea how many people in board games also watch wrestling. It doesn't seem like that would be very likely, but it was awesome. It was the f- first time in years that I've watched WrestleMania and had people with me that gave a crap about it, so that was nice. And it, and it motivated me to buy Luchador Mexican wrestling dice. <laughs> I was like, you know what? Where'd you pick it up from? Uh, I think I just ordered it on Amazon. Oh, I'll yeah. have to look. Yeah. So it's just, it's pressure luck dice game, but you get to like throw your dice at the other people's dice and try to knock them out of the ring and stuff there's like a, that. There's a literal ring. It's there's awesome. a literal ring it's awesome. with ropes. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's definitely going to get played this week for sure. Um, a little lower on the list is... I think I'm going to try this with the Board Game Club kids as I picked up String uh, Safari by oh, Hizashi yeah. Hayashi. Uh, so you're trying to like kind of study animals, but you have to enclose them in your study range. So you use the string to do it. And I think it's kind of a neat mechanic that might grab some interest in my Board Game Club. So that one looks good to me. Excellent. Anything else or are those the big two? Well, I mean, <laughs> there are just so many. The one, the other game that I'm not sure, I, the thing is, I don't want to mention games that I'm not likely to play. I really want to play Snow Tails. I picked it up in a trade and it's been sitting on my shelf forever. It's about like racing sled dogs. I think I might like that theme better than Formula D. I was about to say they're similar, but. Maybe it's just the theme, but Well, yeah. the card play is probably more interesting than the dice play, to be fair. Okay, so. Yeah, that's that's up there, but I don't know how likely I am to get that played. If we're playing Formula D at game night, no one's going to want to turn around and race dogs. No? I, I like doing that kind of stuff. Like, oh, let's compare it to this one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I misjudged my group, but I don't I don't think that's likely to happen. We'll see. We'll see. I'll, I'll do my best. All right. Well, very cool. So that is our, our top of the stack, a new segment. Uh, feel free to let us know. Uh, all the different social media places, what you kind of thought of that. We're going to keep going forward with it for now because I think we dig it and we want to let you guys know some of the things that we are interested in and maybe you can expect to hear about in future episodes. Uh, but for now, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to jump into Cathalathon and talk about Bruno Cathala and all that makes him cool. 
and we are going to get into chatting about Bruno Cathala and doing a little spotlight on him as a designer. So for those of you who don't know, Bruno Cathala is a French designer. Um, he's got an interesting background. You can actually uh, look him up on BGG or, or Google him to find some of his uh, more his personal information, like his personal website. Um, he's got some interesting background. He took a very practical approach, um, even though he loved being a creative. He went into the world of business instead um, and pursued kind of math and physics um, business from a research and development uh, kind of side of things. And then he ended up kind of falling back into game design. But, you know, he's got some of his personal kind of values and approach detailed out um, that he's written. And he always kind of sticks to that that business approach and that kind of practical um, aspect of things. So it, he's an interesting guy and definitely someone that you can read up more about. Um, but we want to look at him as a game designer. He has done all kinds of titles that you may or may not know about. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that fact, but you know, just some of the things that you've probably seen in the last year, like Abyss and Five Tribes, but also other games like Cyclades, Jamaica, Little Prince, Make Me a Planet, Naya. He's all over the place. This guy has produced or has designed a number of games and probably some games, as we found out, that we didn't even know he was part of the team. So it's pretty cool that way to see how many um, games Bruno Cathala has his <coughs> name attached to. So where we want to start is just talking a little bit about our kind of impressions of Bruno Cathala. When we think the name Bruno Cathala as a designer, you know, what are we thinking? What comes to mind? Um, and I, Tiff, you had some interesting thoughts. Let's start out with you. Well, I mean, when I think about Bruno Cathala, I don't think you can not think about collaboration. That seems to be a big part of his design process. There are I, I'm having trouble finding games that just have his name on them. Yeah. Um, Five Tribes is one of them, but for the most part, he's he's collaborating with mainly French designers, Ludovic Montblanc, Antoine Boza. You know, he he works with other designers, and some pretty cool games come out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting approach. You know, a lot of people you see just their their single name. But um, when you think Bruno Cathala, like you said, it's collaboration, it's working with others. And, you know, sometimes it's not his name on the box, even though he worked on the project kind of thing. It's it's funny. Yeah, and the other thing is, is he's just so eclectic. If you look through his catalog of games, I, there aren't too many other than you could definitely say the Mr. Jack series has similar mechanics, but a lot of them are just so different in theme, in style, in, in the mechanics he's choosing. So he's just all over the place, like you said earlier. Yeah, and those are actually you know the two big points that I had as well that kind of sums it up perfectly. It's collaboration, like we just said, and then I was thinking that range of theme because I enjoy a wide variety of different themes and I when I look through his catalog I'm like man this guy it's, he's all over the place I don't know how to describe it you know he's, he's done games on all kinds of themes Japanese uh, Greek mythology Old West all kinds of stuff so I think that's pretty cool so moving right along what do we think about like themes and mechanisms that you see that that pop up in his games so we chatted a little bit about kind of what we think of him overall as a designer but let's think about what are our impressions or what are some trends that we may or may not see in the games that have his name attached to them? 
Uh, I think I try to go through all these games and pick something that, at least the games that I happen to own, the things that turn up in more more of his games than not, but there really aren't too many things. Like, he's got a lot of games that have set collection or hand management in them, but I don't think, I don't think like, oh, hand management, that's Bruno Cathala. I think he just kind of goes with whatever he's... I don't know. He seems to not be married to any particular mechanic. I mean, you could maybe say he likes deduction based on his whole series of games, um, the Mr. Jack series. But other than that, I don't think there's really anything. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't think there's anything that he's married to mechanics wise. I don't think there's anything he's married to, but I don't think you can think about the traitor mechanic without thinking about him and Shadows Over Camelot. I think that mechanic itself was something that a lot of people I think well I don't know this for a fact but I know that was one of the first games that made it work and made it interesting and made it still fun and you didn't lose all of your friends after playing it kind of thing (laughs) Um, and it's you know you could say it paved the way for some of the more modern games like Dead of Winter, Battlestar Galactica, all kinds of stuff like that. But yeah, I agree with Tiff, though. I don't think there's any one thing. He's very unique in the different things he does um, in all the various games I've played of his. And yeah, that's what makes him kind of cool. Whether you like the games or not, I think you can appreciate the design in all of them. Yeah, and something that I, I kind of notice, and I don't know, I've got... Bruno Cathal has designed so many games, and I've played a chunk of them, but it's still limited. Um, and I think that there is a there's a simplicity to his games to some extent, not necessarily in the thought process because there are some some deep games that he's done like Five Tribes and other games. Um, but overall, I feel like there's an ease of rule sets. Like when I think about Abyss or I think about Jamaica or Naya, even Cyclades, um, these games aren't overly complex mechanically. I I think and they seem to be approachable for the most part. Five Tribes would be a point of contention, I know, Dan. Um, but I think that the idea of like how to play his games always seems to be pretty low-key, in my opinion. There's there's some games like your Felds and things like that, which feel very much more overwhelming than when you play a Bruno Cathala game. I agree with that. I mean, this week I tried really hard to play as many Cathala games as I could just because I knew we were going to be talking about them. And it was pretty easy to brush up on all the rule sets and they're easy to teach. So maybe that is his thing. Like very simple rule set, sometimes, uh, you know, complex gameplay or decision tree that you have, but you're, you're looking at very simple rules, very simple turn order things for his games. Yeah. So let's jump back to that almost the first point we made, the, the collaboration, the idea that Bruno Cathala loves to collaborate, or at least he does collaborate. Who can say whether he likes it or not? He keeps doing it, so he, yeah. there must be something he likes about it. What do we think about his collaborations with other designers? So if you look, you know, if you look up Bruno Cathala, some of his most popular games, like Shadows Over Camelot, like Mr. Jack, um, like Cleopatra, like Cyclades, these are all done with other designers. Um, And like Tiff said, particularly usually French designers. Um, So, you know, what are our thoughts on that? Antoine Balza. (laughs) That that is Dan's only thought. (laughs) If it includes Balza. Those two together. It's pretty magical. Yeah, I think if I'm looking at the games that I like that he's collaborated with, the ones that where he's collaborated with Ludovic Montblanc, have been my favorite collaborations of his. I don't know what the magic is between those two. Like... 
he's done uh, a couple of games with Antoine Bauza, one of which is Dr. Shark, which I just played this week. And that is a very interesting but very weird game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could go into more detail about it, but it's essentially set collection based on the textures of the tiles that you're drawing out of this massive bag. And I can't think of any other game that you have to use textures for. No. Yeah. Maybe shape and form, but texture? I don't like the idea of sticking my hand somewhere and having to feel. <laughs> well, and it's really like weird looking because you're supposed to stick both hands in the bag. So you have this bag on your lap and you're sticking your hands in it. It looks kind of um, provocative. But <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, okay. Looks so, like you're touching your Dr. Shark. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> How'd you know that's what I call Okay, so since I brought it up, (laughs) let me just explain a little bit more. So the theme is like spies. It actually, everybody in my group was like, this looks like Swing and Jive Cat Voodoo Lounge. And it kind of does. It has that sort of um, 70s spy feel. And you are trying to get these different parts of your spy gear out of the bottom of this pool is the theme. So you dive into the pool and there are different um, action spots where you can you're looking for these pieces different ways. So by getting the most of the same shape or the same texture or different textures or looking in the bag and physically just picking or visually just picking out one. So there are all these different ways you can pick things out of the bag and it's all timed. And then the weirdest component of any game ever might be this little shark head clapper thing that marks the end of your time. It's like a big wooden shark's head that you clap together to let the person know that their time is up. So it's just a quirky game. And I kind of like that. Like collaboration makes weird things happen is what I'm saying here. That's true. And I mean, what other designer can you think of that has a game like that in his catalog, but also has Shadows Over Camelot, a hidden trader game that has Mr. Jack, an approachable two-player deduction game, Dice Town, where you, a Wild West dice rolling game. Like, who else can you think of that is that eclectic? Yeah. And I think that probably comes out of his collaboration with all these different designers. Because, yeah. you know, you're he's got a lot of different people to bounce ideas off of, and they bounce ideas off of him, and, and cool things really happen. really smart dudes. <laughs> I'm just okay. saying, like, that's got to be, be helpful. Spoken I mean, well, Dan. No, I mean, even just my little time dabbling with designing things, like, I always have my best ideas talking to someone else about what I'm thinking, and then they say something completely off the wall that I would never have thought of. So maybe that's where he gets his drive from. I mean, and the, they're French, so they're just sitting around drinking coffee, just chilling. God, I would love to sit with them. Aw. Well, as Dan drifts off, uh, (laughs) (sighs) the French. Well, we talked to them at Gen Con briefly. I did. They signed my cards. Yeah. 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 And and I think Bruno Cathala, out of the French designers that were there, seems like the most friendly, talkative one. Maybe it's because he's just more comfortable with his English. I don't know. But he seems like a real affable guy. No, he does. And he was there teaching his games, like all kinds of stuff. Like, it was cool. It was cool to see. I still love Bowser, though, even though he's a shy guy. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with being shy. Maybe he just knew I wanted to, like, bear hug him. So he kind of was like, oh. Yeah, he wasn't shy. He was uncomfortable. I got that vibe from this guy. He's going to touch me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. 
Let's hope he never discovers this podcast. We're going to have a restraining order. Yeah. If there isn't already one in place that Dan hasn't told us about. That's true. All right. The order to restrain has not been filed. (laughs) Uh, Well, Tiff, I know that you had another um, particular thing that you wanted to chat about because you have kind of you've run the gamut on the Mr. Jack and uh, various iterations of that that whole line that um, he's done and Bruno Cathala as eclectic as he is there is this strange streak of Mr. Jack and related titles so what are your thoughts on those iterations of kind of this same system I mean I haven't played all of them like I haven't played the original Mr. Jack but I researched it extensively I know how it works but I've I've played Mr. Jack Pocket and I've actually played that on my iPad a lot and then the Phantom of the Opera I just recently bought and played it and oh my god it's so good everybody should buy it just a little commercial for that one but I, I don't know and each one of those games I think is different enough but they're so close and I think maybe he just hit on something that he likes and just kind of went with it and every single iteration is a little bit different uh, you could argue maybe a little bit better each time I don't know but uh, I think different things for different people are there and uh, they're all good uh, approachable deduction games. I suck at deduction. So I really appreciate these games because I I can grok these and I can win at them. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have played original Mr. Jack. I haven't played Phantom of the Opera, but I have heard from people who have played the, the full line that Phantom of the Opera, although being very, very similar, does seem to be the best. So maybe there is some improvement over time. I'd be interested to play it. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it takes, like, Mr. Jack Pocket is it uses the tiles instead of the board, but it takes out the special abilities. So it's like Mr. Jack Pocket streamlined Mr. Jack a little bit, but it took out those special abilities that probably a lot of people liked. And then this kind of keeps that same streamlined movement, even though it's not tile base it's still on a board but it has those special abilities back in and but it's really simple i taught it on thursday night and we played like three games in a row (laughs) which doesn't happen a lot for me and in my group so it was it's a really good two-person filler if you have kind of that awkward time in between games where there's only two people sitting out you could easily get it played the box is 30 minutes but i think we played it in 15 maybe i'm worse at it than i think (laughs) i don't know Very it's cool. really good. If you like Mr. Jack, you should probably check out The Phantom of the Opera. I think it's different enough. Yeah. But they're all two-player games. So, I mean, maybe you don't need every single one in your collection. Well, Ben has Mr. Jack, so maybe I can justify owning one of them. Yeah, you could definitely justify owning one of them. Well, cool. Well, let's take that you know, glowing recommendation and transition into chatting about some of the games that we like from Bruno Cathala. So, you know... One, two, three, whatever, top couple games that you like and kind of some of the things that you find interesting about them. Um, Dan, how about you kick it off? I'm probably the least interesting of the three of us for <laughs> this part. Yeah, we're trying to get you done. <clears throat> out of the way. I, Let's get fair. it over with. I haven't played a lot of his more popular games. I was telling these guys, I haven't played Cyclades. I haven't played Shadows Over Camelot, even though Matt owns it. I've just watched it slightly. Um but I have played his more recent game, so a lot of the stuff within the last two years. Um, I'd have to say my favorite um, is definitely Little Prince Make Me a Planet. That is a collaboration with Antoine Bauza. Go figure. Um, but I also like the theme of it. Um, 
my wife is French and therefore my son is French and <laughs> um, Little Prince is a very popular French children's book. Um, very, it's actually pretty philosophical when you read it. Um, I have the English version. It's really cool. So the theme immediately I'm drawn to. <laughs> that being said, it's not a very family friendly game. It's it's so mean. really brutal. <laughs> it's very take that. You know, on your turn, you're you're building a planet. So you're, the, you're acting. At, you're each a little prince, and you're all making your own planet. But you're flipping. Uh, the start player takes these tiles, and then he hands them out to the different players to build their planet. So you can be, you know, nicer to some people, meaner to other people. But at the end of the game, like everyone's planet scores on um, different symbols within the the planet. There's some tiles that restrict your placement, etc. But um, Overall, it can get really brutal. As a two-player game, it's excellent. I think four, it doesn't sit as well. Three is okay. But it, as a two-player game, it's amazing. So uh, I really like that one. Another one I like from my list, I'd say probably Abyss and Dice Town would probably be my next two that I enjoy. Dice Town being a kind of pressure luck, Wild West, really well-produced game. Um, you're making poker hands using dice in secret and comparing them to other players and depending on who's made what hand you get to obtain certain rewards to set collect etc yeah i think that one makes a really nice like non-gamer gateway-ish game because people are so familiar with poker yeah now our family really likes it the dice are excellent with the little poker hands um it's just a really well produced game art's great and then dice cups yeah dice cups uh, one I would just mention, and I, I don't know if I like this game overall, but I really, really love one of the mechanics in it, and that's Madam Ching. We've talked about this on the podcast episodes ago, so go back and listen. It was probably episode like four or five. It was really oh, maybe you shouldn't listen if it's episode four or five. Uh, just don't listen to one and two. Those are pretty bad. Um, four or five are all right. In Madam Ching, there's this kind of placing cards, and you want to create sequences because the sequences allow you to move your ship in a number of spaces and in certain directions and you're trying to get your ship further across the sea than other players to collect better rewards it's a it's a i I love that mechanic i really do but overall the overall package some of the other decisions he made with the design i don't know that i like as much but that one mechanic i'm gonna do something with that i really like that um (laughs) so those would probably be my favorite and jamaica is probably the most beautiful game ever um gameplay and ever high praise it's the art in that game is amazing i think madam ching is pretty beautiful i love vincent dutrait like that is my that is my artist guy he does some great is he french probably yeah the the funny thing is that my wife has a friend name for us it's vincent but in french it's vincent that's how you would say it so fancy (laughs) just just a side note but it was like one day she was like we're going to meet vincent i was like who's that she showed me i was like oh that's vincent (laughs) <laughs> and I sounded so American <laughs> and everyone just looked at me and I was like, oh, all right, we'll go see Vincent. <laughs> Sorry, a little side note on how you say yeah. Vincent. Yeah, uh, but I was going to talk about Madame Ching for a second. I think that one is growing on me. I didn't know what to think of it the first time I played it, but in subsequent plays, I think for what it is, it's it's fine. It's a good game. I like it. It's It's pretty. cheap enough, too. I mean, it retails for like 40 I probably yeah. will buy it at some point. Yeah. And one of my orders is just like fill something up. 
Every time we're at the game store, he looks at it and he goes, Ugh, Madam Ching. I know. It's just one of those love-hates. Like, I love that movement mechanic, and I did not like the other parts of it. Have you only played it once? or have you I've played only played it, it once, yeah. So Yeah, maybe try it again. I, I think in... I've played it three or four times now, so I think each time I play it, I'm like, okay, I get it. I like the, it now. I just think the, the card draw... There are some better powers than others, so you could get boned in that way. The yeah. kind of the laying out of the tiles at the bottom. I, I just think they could have done something different with that, but uh, that movement mechanic I love. So. Yeah, I guess it depends on your tolerance for randomness because there is some random factor in there. It, it wouldn't be so bad if the randomness didn't have a take that as well on top of it. <laughs> like you could get a really good take that card and just really screw someone's day over. Yes, you could. Yeah. That always happens to me when I play it, because that's how my people in my group play with me. If they can screw me over, they will. That's how it works. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sounds like they're doing it right. All right. So give me, give me another <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, so I've already kind of talked about some of the ones that I like, but uh, one of the game that I think kind of flew under the radar is a game called Noah. And it's another collaboration with Ludovic, Ludovic Montblanc. And um, it's one of those tiny tin games, Asmodee put it out. And it's just a hand management game where you're trying to save animals from the flood. Um, you have a, there's a circle of five different boats. And then you have a hand of animal cards. And Noah is standing on one of the boats. And you have to play a card to hit the boat that he's at and there are a couple rules like you can't there's a weight i can't remember what the number is but you can't exceed that weight limit and then you have to either place them they're they're delineated by male and female so they're blue animal cards and pink animal cards so you have to either place all the same sex on on one boat or alternating boy girl boy girl so if you can't play one then you have to take all the animals i think it's you take all the animals at that boat and the the goal is you're trying to get rid of all of your animals and save them from the flood so it's it's just like it's a little game it's easy to teach it's one i bring to the board game club and i just don't think it's gotten a whole lot of uh attention but it's super cute and fun cool have you guys seen this one at all no no i've seen it check it out it's cute when we started talking about uh, Bruno Cathala, I went down and I looked in all my board games and I'm like, holy crap, like I am probably a Bruno Cathala fangirl by by all accounts because I just have so many of his games and I didn't really necessarily realize it. Another game I think that not a lot of people have played is Mundus Novus. It's it's a really like the box looks very like Euroy Vincent Dutrait art on that by the way, um, but it's a Vincent Vincent and you it's definitely not Dutrait but uh, Vincent de probably yeah, probably I'm from Ohio I'm never going to be able to pronounce <laughs> this stuff right um, but it it was a 2011 one and I just sort of randomly picked it up because I saw it on the shelf and I was like hey I like the look of this. So it's it's trading possibly in the Mediterranean. Um, <laughs> you have a hand you have goods cards that you're trying to collect in order to get ships and uh, doubloons and stuff. And it has a phase at the beginning where you trade cards with the other players. 
there's a master trader who gets to, to go first and things like that. But it's a really like easy set collection, sort of card drafting, trading, Euro-y feeling card game. And it's not a filler, it's like a filler plus, like a 45 minute game. And I wouldn't play it with six players or probably five players. But yeah, most things aren't good there. Yeah, but it's a good one. Cool. It deserves more attention, I think. Yeah. Mundus Novus. Mundus Novus, yes. Very cool. Well, I'm going to round it out. I think we've pr- we mentioned briefly, you know, all the games that, that I think of. I promised I would not talk about Abyss more than just saying the name. Uh, Mr. Jack, I think, is a great two-player deduction game. It's got some really cool, um, interesting elements. I'm excited to check out Phantom of the Opera at some point. Um, the other one that I wanted to highlight was Jamaica, Dan mentioned. It's a really good-looking game. Yes, it's very pretty. I don't think it's prettier than Abyss, but hey. Um, it's a cool little race game. It's very simple to teach. It's got this, like, fixed deck of cards that when you use them, you don't get to use that card again until you reshuffle your whole deck. So it's got some hand management kind of stuff. Um, you're cruising around in these really stylized little plastic ships, and it's easy to play. You know, I, I really dig it as a as a really cool like pirate high seas um race game definitely one to check out if you haven't already i was a little skeptical when dan first brought it to the table and then we played it a bunch of times and it's definitely high up on the list in terms of bruno Cathala games so you know know, for that game what really stuck out to me like the it was the first game that i opened up and i was like oh my god this insert is amazing oh yeah (laughs) is that the skull and crossbones one i don't even remember but i just remember it had like the perfect place for everything it It does have a good insert though that all fits in yeah it is very good so yeah i'm i'm happy to see such diversity in our in our choices because he has he has done so many different things he's very eclectic and i'm glad to see that our tastes in his games are very eclectic mainly because that would have been super boring if we just all talked about abyss for a half hour so anywho uh, I we're think gonna we've ra- already done that before. <laughs> we reviewed Abyss on nonsensicalgamers.com. We did. You know who commented on it? Bruno Cathala. Oh. He said, what up? And thanks for forgetting my co-designer because I collaborated on this <laughs> one. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, it's half a compliment. Um, so, <laughs> all right. So those are some of the games that we like from Bruno Cathala. Let's go ahead and round out the segment by just our final thoughts, you know, what do we think about Bruno Cathala as a designer? And remember, he reads our blog, so keep it positive. <laughs> he doesn't read our blog. But, um, all right, so I have a real love-hate relationship with Bruno games. Bruno the person I love. His games, though, for me, are are good. They just don't... And, again, I'm caveating this with I have not played... Some of his more popular ones, Shadows Over Camelot, um, Mission Red Planet, as Tiff mentioned. I have not played Cyclades either, although I don't really think I would ever play Cyclades because it's not my style of game. But um, that being said, I all of his games have some really, really unique mechanics. I will say that I love his ingenuity. I love his designs um, overall. I think... He's got some really unique ideas, some really unique um, mechanics, and they all come together into a nice package. But for me, sometimes that package, I just don't, it just doesn't hit the sweet spot with me. Um, There's little bits here and there that I like within each game, that's without a doubt, but just the overall um, game itself 
you know, I always talk about five tribes. You guys hear me talk about that. I think it's genius what he did with that game, but it just doesn't sit right with me. Uh, same with like Abyss, um, something Longhorn, games like that. So I, I appreciate the design. I appreciate the thought that went into it. And again, the uniqueness of a lot of the mechanics he brings forth. But I just, sometimes they just don't sit right with me. But overall, I will always play a Cathala game and give it a shot because he's kind of earned that respect in my book. Tiff, what are your thoughts? Um, I think, I mean, I think I'm a Bruno Cathala fan. I mean, he's definitely a solid designer. He's a designer I trust. If I see his name on a box, I'm more likely to buy a game that that has his name on it. So, uh, and especially if if it's one of his, you know, collaborators that I like, I'll I'll definitely pick it up. I think his name means it's going to be at the bare minimum a solid game. There are games of his that I really absolutely love, uh, but but I don't think I can't think of one game of his that I have hated. I, I think it goes to what Matt said about him having those simple rule sets. That's what I look for in games a lot of time. I like a game that's easy to explain and easy to learn from the rule book, um, but but has interesting decisions after that. He's extremely approachable as a designer. I'll I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I think I'm I'm on the same boat. Um, obviously, Abyss is one of my favorite games, uh, but I don't think that, that that one game makes Bruno Cathala my favorite designer or anything like that. Like Tiff, I don't think I've played any games that I don't like in his catalog. Now, he's got 83, 89 games, so clearly I'm like 65, 70 games short of getting in all of his games. So that I'm sure there's some in there that I'm just not really going to be into, but I think that anything... I think I've played most of the things that have come out in the last few years, and I've been pleased with all of them. I think they're interesting. I think they're engaging. They're fun to play. Um, and like I said, he he did have a hand in Abyss, which is one of my favorite games of the last year or so. Um, so I think that he's a designer that I trust, although I wouldn't say insta-buy for his games. Definitely something, like Dan said, he's earned the respect, and I think that he deserves to be you know, giving consideration whenever a game of his comes out. Um, and he has clearly earned that respect from publishers as well because everybody and their mother put out a Bruno Cathala game last year. So yeah. if you're insta-buying Bruno Cathala, you're a broke person. Yeah, you are very poor. <laughs> Although you have some very cool and a very wide range of games. So you've got a very eclectic collection. So yeah, um, that is where we're going to round out Cathalathon. I think we had some interesting discussion and feel free to let us know your thoughts on Bruno Cathala and his games over on the guild, uh, BGG guild number 2077. Feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Like us on Instagram. We would love some iTunes reviews and some feedback there or some hearts on board game links. And if you just want to chat casually, we are attached to our cell phones, which have the, this thing called Twitter on them. We all have handles, and those handles are Dan. At League Nonsense, at Scandalous underscore Nad. Tiff. I am at Inept Gamer. And I am at Cinnamon Buns. And just as a side note, if you're ever wondering about those, in our show notes, which if you click the center button on your iPhone or you go to the website and look at the post, all of that contact information is on there. So if you can't spell my handle or you can't find Tiff because her Twitter personality is hiding in a corner somewhere, (laughs) you can find us all there.
Join us next week for our next Boardcast News episode, and we'll chat with you then. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.